Hello, it's Dr. Ruben West, and here, welcome to Voices of Change, where we interview voices of change that have not only made a great change in their life, but have made great changes in the lives of others. Today, I have an amazing guest for you. I, I'm telling you, you're going to want to get your paper out, your pen out, your iPad, your notepad, because today I have the world-renowned, the world-famous, top five speakers in the world, no one like him, Les Brown. You heard what I said. I'm bringing Les Brown to this platform. Now you can already see that I'm already excited. I'm already hyped because here's what I know. Not only are you gonna learn something, but I'm gonna learn something. I got my pen and paper ready too. <laughs> Don't sleep on me, I ain't playing. And so listen, I'm just giving you a second so that you can get ready. I know you're gonna invite someone to this presentation because here's what I know. If there's anybody who's found a way to win again and again, it's Les Brown. Through all the seasons that have come and gone, all the issues that he's faced, the, the, the cancer is, issue that he's faced again and again and again, he's still doing it. He's still leading the way. Some say the top five speakers in the world, but here's what I know. I get to have my own opinion. I say the number one. When I wanted to speak, I, I didn't try and get more information. I didn't try and get more time. I didn't get more books. You know what I got? I didn't get more. I got less. I'm bringing right here to the platform, the one and only, the man himself, Les Brown. Les, how's it going? I'm great and grateful just to be in your presence. Thank you so very much. <laughs> well, well, you know what? I appreciate you being on the platform. I mean, obviously this pandemic has caught everyone by surprise. There's people who never saw it coming. And one of the things they say, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. But sometimes it's hard to stay ready for something that you don't see coming. Les, how are you still doing it? I mean, you've made the transition at 70 plus. There's a lot of people who have given up on technology. They've said, hey, I can't do it. But here you are streaming live from your home on technology. What's going through your mind right now? Yesterday, I was broadcasting virtually in Morocco and then... The, the, the night before that, I was in Johannesburg, South Africa, and and during the day, I was in Hong Kong and Germany. So we have to throw a net on the other side. <laughs> you know, it's fun when you can make money, change lives from the comfort of your home. And, and 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 be able to spend time with your grandchildren. I have 15 grandchildren, Come on. Um, four great-grandsons. So, you know, February 17th, I turned 75. Wow. So it's, it's just a pleasure to do what you love to do, answering the calling on your life, and to do it from the comfort of your home. This is just incredible. This is a dream yeah. of, for people who speak, who coach, and who train because the computer eliminates geography. And that's the exciting thing about what we're doing now. And plus, I get a chance at 75. I saw the movie called uh, House Party and Kid in Play were the stars. And so I'm kid. <laughs> hey, you guys heard it. He said the computer eliminates geography. No one has an excuse right now. Uh, Les, um, this has certainly caught us off guard. I mean, uh, yeah. we yeah. had to make a hard left. When you saw us transitioning to this, what was your thought process? When I got back from, I was in Dubai and, and all the speaking engagements, which was based upon gatherings, they were gone. And, and so when that happens first, you are shocked. <laughs> Everybody. Exactly. But immediately, we pivot because corporations, the number one challenge they're facing is having a speaker that comes in and give them a sense of unity, even though they're far apart. And so therein lies the opportunity. People say that opportunity knocks on every door. I say, no, opportunity stands by silently waiting for us to recognize it. So when you look at the over 51 million people that have lost their jobs, 47 million people are scheduled to lose their jobs from artificial intelligence. That's a lot of opportunity within the context of that. We are facing a crisis and crises 
in the Chinese language, it means danger, but also means opportunity. Three types of people are going to come out of this. Millionaires, billionaires, and witnesses. <laughs> and so the people that are listening to you, they will be in the category of millionaires and billionaires. They will not be witnesses. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? You, you know, one of the things that I, I've told people all over the world, not only um, do you have a unique style, you have a unique ability, but it's your uniqueness that has allowed you to last in spite of all of the people that have come and gone. I mean, so many people come into this in industry and they have every intention of, of having long-term success, but for some reason, they're short-lived. What do you think it has been that's given you this longevity? I'm glad you asked that question because now this place in my life, you learn, you earn, and you pass it on. I've, I've, I learned this. I have a Mike Williams, as you know, has been my mentor for 51 years, and I've earned millions of dollars doing what I love to do. And now I'm teaching others how to do it. I'm doing one-on-one -on -one coaching with a limited number of people. And, and what I learned, four things that really gave me a competitive advantage. As you know, the speaking industry has been dominated by the Dale Carnegie course, which is a great course. They teach, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you told them. Mm -hmm. Mike Williams taught me, and I shared with you and others, don't let what you want to say get in the way of what the audience wants to hear. Yeah. And all by getting, get understanding. That's yeah. one. Number two, the other speakers were spewing and regurgitating information. If information could change people, everybody would be skinny, rich, and happy. So I advanced with my story and the impact that my mother has had on my life and my goal of buying her home and taking care of her. The other thing that has been important is that attention is the new currency the ability to get attention yes. with your story. People are asking, who are you? What do you have and why should I care? Attention and then the next thing that's important, how to hold the attention, to create an experience with the attention. Oliver Wendell Holmes said that once a man or woman's mind has been expanded with an idea, concept or experience, it can never be satisfied to going back to where it was. So orchestrating with your story and experience create a significant emotional event in the context of your presentation. The next thing that's important, you have to draw attention, you have to hold the attention, and you have to direct the attention. Mm. And, and that's now is how you increase your cash flow with your ability to direct that attention once you hold them and once you attract it. And, and that allows you to make a difference in their lives individually and collectively. And, and that's what's amazing because, uh, you know, a lot of people have gotten a chance to see you on stage. I know there's a lot of people watching right now that's gotten a chance to see you speak here in the U.S. I was fortunate enough to be there in Johannesburg, South Africa, when you were speaking uh, and and to see you live on stage in front of five thousand people, and 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 you orchestrated an experience that held them right in the palm of your hand, uh, and and to witness a level of mastery that most people don't understand. Because one of the things I realize is that when you watch Tiger Woods play golf, he makes it look easy. When you watched Michael Jordan play basketball. He made it look easy. When you watch Michael Jackson dance and sing, he made it look easy. They had a level of mastery that because they've mastered the basics so well, they make it look easy. And everybody thinks that they can do it. Everybody thinks, well, Les is just talking. No, no. Les has a lot of strategic uh, information and positioning going on in his message. How important is it uh, for people that want to do what you do, that want to hold the crowd, that want to do the training? How important is it for them to get help like that? Because I think you make it look so easy, they don't realize how hard it is. You really need help. You can't read the label when you're locked in the box. And so it's very important. Muhammad Ali said, I'm the greatest, but he never won a championship without Angelo Dundee. 
Michael Jordan never won a championship without Phil Jackson. So you have to have someone who's accomplished, someone who has a trained eye that can take you to a place inside yourself that you cannot go by yourself. So coaching is very important. The other thing is speakers speak. I teach, you don't have to be great to get started, but you have to get started to be great. <laughs> and so, it, but I, I love the fact that all the speakers I've trained, and I've trained a lot and just really proud of all of them. What I love about you, you are so unique. I hear your footsteps. I want you to know I ain't scared. <laughs> but you have such a way of seeing things and approaching a topic that I've gone from being your mentor to you mentoring me. Uh, and, and, and I say that proudly because I believe that you're never too old to learn and you're never too young to teach. And I just love how you think and how you put things together. And with the people who approach me, say, have you, have you met this guy named Ruben West? I said, Ruben West? I said, yes. Man, he's a bad dude. Tell me about it. <laughs> so I, I, I love your approach that we have this mutual admiration of each other because I love the way you think and how you deliver it and you make people think because your approach is unusual. You operate out of the thinking of Henry David Thoreau who said, do not go where the path may lead, go where there's no path and leave a trail. And I love that level of authenticity and originality on your part. And it's fascinating to hear people talk about you and to see when you speak that you 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 don't leave anything on the table. Well, thank you. I, I certainly appreciate that. And and one of the things I can say unequivocally is that I learned a lot, not only just from uh, your speaking, but watching you speak. I'm a visual learner, I'm an audio learner, so I like to see it in action and then process what's happening in the minds of the audience members while you're saying what you're saying. Uh, because it's a it's a twofold thing. It's it's the message being delivered, but it's also the way the audience is receiving it in that moment. And and I know right now there's a lot of people who are stuck. I mean, like you said, the jobs have been eliminated. Now technology is going to eliminate a lot more jobs. What advice? What suggestion do you give to those individuals right now that are are stuck? I've lost several jobs, and so. What I would advise them to do, number one, is stop. Don't react, because most people react with depression, with anger, and a sense of powerlessness. Oh my God, what am I going to do? How am I going to survive? So the best thing to do is just to get still and have a knowing in your heart, I can handle this. I can handle whatever about to come down, whatever is about to happen, what a shift that's taking place. Marion White said, in life, when you don't have enough courage or insight to know that you have outgrown a situation and it's time to move on, life will move on you. And mm -hmm. I've not been fired from WVKO radio station in Columbus, Ohio. I would have never became a state legislator. I would have never became a community activist. I would have never been able to leave the Ohio legislature after I got elected my third term, return to Miami, and fulfill a promise to my mother of buying her a home. I would have never been able to be selected by Roger King of King World and paid $5 million to do a talk show in 1992. So Helen Keller said, when one door closes, another door opens, but most people spend time complaining and talking about the closed door. They don't see the open door. There are things that happen, and some of those things happen to you, but some of those things happen for you. Mm. And when you take the time to get still and don't allow yourself to be governed by fear, you know, Zig Ziglar said, most people when they're in a fearful situation, they forget everything and run. But there's a small number when they're in a fearful situation, 
They face everything and rise. Mm, mm. And for the people that listen to you, you're giving them the tools not to cope with things as they are, but to position themselves to win in spite of the way that things are. I, I hope you guys are catching that. He said, not just forget everything and run, but face everything and rise. You may not have caught that. Those are both responses to F-E-A-R, fear, forget everything and run. You catch everything. everything you catch. Rise. I, I, I was wondering if you're gonna catch that. See, the best speakers are the best listeners. You listen very deeply. Yes. No, no, yeah, yeah. I told you guys at the beginning of this, I'm not only here to interview, I'm here to learn too. So I got my pen ready. I may not be able to take all the notes now. I'll catch it on the replay because believe me, I'm going to be listening to this again. Uh, Les, uh, you know, there's been times when you've been hit again and again. Uh, just when you think you've got it all figured out, boom, another bout with another physical ailment or uh, some other ailment that comes against you. How is it that in those moments, like a lot of people are facing right now, you're able to keep going? You know what I found, and I truly believe this, that when something happens, we have to pause and we wanna focus on the solution. Dr. Alfred Gosen taught me a very good lesson. He was an oncologist at, at the University of, 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 of Miami. I mean, the University of Ohio State University. And he said, Mr. Brown, he said, you have cancer. Now he was at Howard University at the time. You have cancer and your PSA is 2,400. I said, well, what does that mean? One to four is normal. Mm. I said, okay, so you have prostate cancer and it has metastasized to seven areas of your body. So I said, can you give me a second opinion? He said, yeah. And you're ugly too. <laughs> I said, come on, man. He said, yeah, you have We determine the diagnosis. You and God determines the prognosis. Come on. So when I left his office, I left there not with a heart full of fear but a heart full of faith and knowing that I was going to get through this. Mm. And so he said, you know, I don't tell patients they're terminally ill. What I say is that my ability to help you has terminated. Now you need to explore some other options. I was 27 years ago. Mm. So when I got that diagnosis, I had this mindset. I got this. I have this mindset that life is a fight for territory. And once you stop fighting for what you want, peace of mind, your relationship, our children's future, once you stop fighting for what you want, our health, once you stop for what you want, what you don't want will automatically take over. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's a situation where we face the reality that you either in a problem or just left one or headed toward one. <laughs> That's right. It's, it's on the way. Either way, it's on the way. Yes, absolutely. Les, uh, let me ask you this. Um, you know, you you get up again. Uh, you face this situation again, whatever it is, where it is, however it is. But there's some people who go through similar things that you have been through, but mentally they didn't make it out. I, I'm not saying that they, they lost. A, I'm not saying they died, but but mentally they didn't make it out. What do you think it is that causes people to not make it out mentally? Why can't they adjust their mind to mentally handle those issues? Most people, unfortunately, their mind have them, but they don't have a mind. Their minds control them. We can't control the thoughts that come in our minds, but we can control the thoughts that we dwell on. Mm. I was going to this doctor and, and I was getting acupuncture for sciatica pain. And this lady used a procedure that required that she use a very hot instrument. She said, most people find this uncomfortable. I said, give me a second. And then she applied it 
And I didn't move and I didn't make a sound. She said, do you feel this? I said, yes. She said, most people make a sound. I said, no, I'm not making any sound other than my answering your questions. She said, how do you do that? I said, I went to another place. I didn't focus on what you were doing. I focused on, I can handle this. Mm. And I rose above this. Everything that happens to us, Elsie Robinson said something that I think is very important. He said, things may happen around you and things may happen to you. But the only thing that really count are the things that happen in you. Mm. Shakespeare said, the four dear Brutus is not in our stars, but in ourselves that we are underlings. These 51 million people that have been released to pursue the calling on their life, some of them are getting still. Some of them are in terms of, I'm going to find a way to use my talents and my abilities and my skills to control my own economy and be my own boss. Some of them have suicidal thoughts. They're looking at the same situation, but what's the difference is their mindset. The one who feels like a victim or the one who says, I got this. No matter how bad it is or how bad it gets, I got this. And, and so we all have the ability to choose ye this day whom ye shall serve. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of sound mind. And this is the time for us to walk in that power. This is the time for us to call on our superpower. That, you know, Superman only showed up when there was a crisis. Come on now. Well, he didn't have to run into a telephone booth and change his clothes. I don't know where he changed his clothes right now. Where is he when you need him when the <laughs> coronavirus is here? You know, I have recently, I prayed the other night and I said, Lord, I want you to know that everything I said about 2019, I take it back. <laughs> <laughs> I take it back. I take it back. And can you please delete 2020? Help <laughs> <laughs> <the> brother out. <laughs> we ain't never seen nothing like this. Whatsoever you need to do, I'm in Atlanta, so you don't say whatever you need to do. Whatsoever you need to do, delete 2020. <laughs> Because this is a strange place. And what we have to do is make it okay that it's strange. What we have to do is not focus on the strangeness. What we have to do is decide what is it I need to do in this cocoon, the work I need to do on myself to reinvent myself. So coming out of this, I will be stronger and better. Coming out of this, Mm -hmm. My life will be dramatically different. I love it. I love it. Let me ask you this, because this this always intrigued me. And I love what you're saying, because one of the things you said is that you have to have someone that can see something in you that you, you can't see. And I remember when we were working together and you said, you know, Ruben, when you go over to the other countries, they're going to eat you up. They're going to love you. And I remember thinking, what would make him say that? Like, how how, how would he know that I... I, I like I was just kind of blown away that you would even say that because for me, I'm seeing it as well. I'm Reuben from Topeka, Kansas. What are they going to think about me over in Nairobi or Uganda or Dubai or Oman or Canada? And when I got there, you were right. <laughs> I mean, you were absolutely right. And and what I want to ask is, what is it that you're looking for? Like because somehow you knew that already. I was almost like walking into the prophecy or what you predicted for me. How did you know that? And what is it that you look for in the people that you work with? Because the way you think, Ruben, what you did as a medical assistant and the innovation that you brought that made it more efficient and effective for doctors to do the work that they did. You're looking for ways in which you could provide a level of service mm that allowed them to better serve the patients that had surrendered themselves under their care. Mm. You didn't just show up to work. You were always looking for ways, how can we do this more effectively? 
that mindset that you have, that that allows you to become successful. There are speakers that I know who've been giving the same speech for years. That's not you. You come up new concepts, new ideas all the time. You never stop growing. Einstein said, and you operate from this place. He said, the thinking that has brought me this far has created some problems that this thinking can't solve. So you're always reinventing yourself. You're always looking for ways to do what it is that you do and to do it better, to take it to another level. Another level. You are never satisfied with accepting things as they are. You operate out of the thinking of Henry David Thoreau who said, do not go where the path may lead, go where there's no path and leave a trail. Mm. So that's what you do. That's how you train speakers and that's how you operate when you get ready to seal climate, you don't just go in there and regurgitate something you've done someplace else as if one speech can fit all situations. You talk with them, you interview them, and you always exceed their level of expectation. That has been the success for me to be sustainable and have a competitive advantage of other speakers who don't operate in that level of thinking. Yeah, you know what I, uh, what I noticed uh, and what I learned when I was there in Johannesburg with you, uh, because we did a couple of things. Number one, you spoke on stage, but we did a TV interview. We did a radio station interview. And what I love, and and, and if you don't mind me sharing it with the audience, is uh, there was a level of surgical or medical diagnosis uh, that you took in before you ever, quote unquote, wrote the prescription before you ever gave the speech, before you ever got on the radio, before you, like, I remember watching you ask the questions, almost as if it was an interrogation. What are you looking for? What is it that they, what problems are they having? Like it was very surgically precise and I learned that watching. And so one of the things I know is that you can't write a prescription accurately if you didn't do an accurate diagnosis. How did you get that mindset? When Mike Williams said, Brownie, Never let what you want to say get in the way of what the customer wants to hear. That was great advice, and I took that to heart. And so I spent a lot of time and energy asking questions. Mm. I spoke for a, a guy, an organization called Buffini and Associates. They're one of the largest real estate companies on the planet. And they have a slogan, and the slogan is, oh, by the way, we're never too busy for referrals. I interviewed the CEO, the owner. Then I interviewed the marketing director. Mm -hmm. Then I called the top salespeople in the room. And I interviewed all of them individually. And I took stories from them. And then when I did the presentation, I incorporated their stories in my presentation. And every time I hit somebody's story and I had no notes, I could see them hunching each other. They didn't know I was watching them out of my peripheral vision. <laughs> when I got to the end of the speech, I walked off and I turned around. Oh, by the way, I'm never too busy for referrals. Walk <laughs> <laughs> <Fuck> wild. <laughs> he was so overwhelmed. He said, "Listen, I'm a big show off." He said, "Whatever number of speeches you have left," and this was September. He said, I want them all. Mm. Time, I was charging $35,000 an hour. I charged 70 now. But he said, I want all of them. I want every one of them. He said, no one has come in here and, re and, 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 and been able to reinvent the experience of what we were going to have in terms of our convention and how we see ourselves, how we see our mission, and then took it to another level. That has never happened for us. And that's what we're called to do, that, that right now, our goal and objective is to fulfill the mission of corporations and organizations and businesses and churches, how to be connected, how to stay together, even though you are apart. Mm -hmm. And so to create that kind of experience, that kind of mindset, that's what they need right now more than ever before. And so we have the ability, there's an old saying, you can take a horse to the water, but you can't make them drink. However, when you know how to strategically communicate and use your story, 
and the experience, you can create a thirst where they want to drink. Can you feel a brother up and <laughs> Listen to me, Linda. Listen to me. <laughs> I love it. I love you guys. I told you it was going to be a great interview. And, and you can see why I'm so passionate about the training that he does, about the way that he speaks, the way that he communicates. You can also see that I've learned so much from, from watching. Uh, because one of the things, the uh, mistakes I think people make less is uh, they think they have it when they've only scratched the surface. Uh, one of the things you said is, hey, listen to this once a day for 30 days. And I remember you saying that and you told everybody in the room. And I remember looking around the room and I thought, if everybody's going to listen to it once for a day for 30 days, then I have to listen to it once a day for 90 days because I'm never going to do what everyone else is doing because th that's the average, I, you know, and then we know that some people won't even do the once a day for 30 days. And, right. and what is it that there's, I want to know this from you. What do you think it is that makes people sign up? They, they say they want it. They say they want to do the work. They say it, but then they don't do it. Like why do people invest and they, they won't follow through? Ruben? They're not hungry. Mm. My new book is entitled, You Gotta Be Hungry. The Greatness Within to Win. Some people, the majority, I would say, they're happy with just the way that they are. I was trying to help my twin brother lose weight and I gained 25 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something. I, was, I went to a friend's house, I met her, at her brother's house. And we were gonna do an intervention to help him to get off drugs. And he told us to get out. And on the way down the steps, I'll never forget what Lorraine said to me. She said, most people won't participate in their own rescue. Mm -hmm. There's a book called Change or Die and they're working with cancer patients. And, and also, they had patients who had had a heart attack and they told them, those of you that had the heart attack, we're gonna put you on a program. If you have a recurring heart attack, you're out of here. So all we need you to do is just follow this and you'll live longer. And former Vice President Cheney was a part of it. You, we're gonna have a support group for you. You wanna have a plant-based diet. You wanna manage your stress and we're gonna provide social support you meet once a week. Nine out of 10 stopped within 90 days. And the study indicated that nine out of 10 people will die rather than change. Mm -hmm. And so what we have to realize, Jesus said, all power is in my hands. Oh, and by the way, the poor will always be among you. <laughs> Now I understand why Reverend Ike said the best thing to do for poor people is not be one of them. <laughs> because it's a state of mind. Yeah. We fought for access. I remember something that Jackie Robinson said. He said that don't level the playing field. Just let me on. I'll level it myself. Mm. I always say I've lost everything from the coronavirus and and people talking about how stressful this is, what we're going through. We really don't know what stress is. When you think about the words of James Weldon Johnson, stony the road we trod, bit of the chesting rod, felt in the days when hope unborn had died, yet with a steady beat, have not our weary feet come to the place for which our father sighed. We've come over a way that with tears have been watered. We've come treading a path through the blood of the slaughter. So we really don't know what stress is. We don't know. We think we know, but we don't know. There's some people who died for us. We are the, ch we are the children of the ones who did not die. Yeah. There's a level in our DNA, there's a level of resilience and mental resolve that we have that, that's just a part of who we are. Corona. Now, am I keeping social distancing? Absolutely. From people and the refrigerator. 
<laughs> Come on. Come on. It's common sense what we need to do, but not common practice. No, we've seen some stuff. We've been through some stuff. We've experienced some stressful situations. We know what tough times are. Mm. And we have not only survived, we have thrived. Let me tell you this, Les. Uh, I, I, I got to tell you, uh, I got a chance to read your book. And when I read the new one, and you. when I read it, there was some stories in there that I had never heard. You, I you know, know, I know you were shocked. I would have loved to have had a camera on you. Yeah, wow. and, and, and one of the things I wanna make sure is everybody on here knows where they could get that book. Now, let me tell you guys something. You may have heard him speak over and over and over again. You may have read his other books uh, and you may have read them more than once. You may have watched him on live videos over and over and over again. But I promise you, when you get this book, there are some things you're going to be like, what? Where did that come from? I promise you, when you get this book, there's going to be some times you cannot be drinking water and reading at the same time because you're going to lose it. I mean, it's, it's, it's entertaining, but it's also powerful. Les, where can they get that book? We've got to tell them that right now because if you don't have this new book, it's, you got to be hungry. You got to get it right now. Where can they get that book? They can go to IamHungryLesBrown.com. Somebody put that in the com. I have a friend who said, I have been putting off doing certain things. She She's a teacher. And the other night, she said, when she got to, you know, when I use it as an acronym, of hungry when she got to in now urgency she said she wrote six books in one night six mm. children books she was fired up she could not sleep and 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 so it, it 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 creates a sense of urgency number one the other thing is that it it reminds you how strong we are we really don't know how strong we are until we've been tested simba you're more than that which you have become. We are, but when you're in a culture, Reuben, that marginalizes you, that puts systems in place to hold you down, that is de designed to demonize, to destroy, and, and to dismiss you, in order to break through that, you gotta be hungry. I, I just read something the other day, the, the Federal Reserve in, in St. Louis, and they said, stunningly, they said that a, a white high school dropout will create three times more wealth than a black college graduate. Wow. Stunningly, they, they gave that report. How does that happen? Systems, how is it that women doing the same work as men make less money than men doing the same work? Systems in place, been in place for years. But in order to break through, and there are people who break through. And that, to me, they're not an exception. There's an example of all of us, if you're hungry, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Right thinking, right words, right vision, right relationship right level of determination and conviction and refusing to give up. Mm -hmm. uh, you guys, I know you guys are taking these notes. I, you have to be taking these notes. Remember this, the mind is for thinking, notes are to remember. The hand, the hand is a digital recorder for the mind. And you're gonna wanna go back and rethink through this. There's gonna be times where you're gonna wanna pull out your notes. You might even put them in your phone after you get them written down. Make sure you're taking these notes because there's times where I just go back and reread notes from interviews, from messages, and it, it inspires me and it motivates me. Do me a favor though, I don't want you to miss this. Uh, be ready when we get off this call. Uh, I, I believe that a lot of people wait and when they wait, they miss out on opportunity. Remember this, weight broke the scale. When we get off this call, go right over to I Am Hungry Less Brown and get that book. And then and then here's what I want you to do. I want you to private message me. Ruben, I got the book. Now don't leave now because he's still talking. He's still talking. We got more to go. 
But as soon as we get off, go right over to IamHungryLessBrown.com and make sure you get that book. I would not tell you to do it if it wasn't powerful. It's very powerful. And I promise you, there's going to be some things in there you just didn't know about. Like you you just didn't know about. And here's why. what I want to ask you about that, Les. How did you come up with that after all these years? I mean, did somebody interview? How did you pull those stories out after all these years when I, when you've been telling stories for years and I've never heard you tell these stories? You know, we're three-dimensional. And I mentioned this in the book. We have our private life, we have our public life, and we have our secret life. Hmm. And I decided that I was gonna share my secret life that it would help somebody. A lot of people going through some stuff right now. And I remember a friend of mine who called me and she said, I'm upset with you. And I said, why? She said, why didn't you tell me about your book? I said, well, we've known each other since high school. I didn't think you would be interested. And sometimes familiarity breeds contempt. Indeed. She said, I was going through a tough time and somebody recommended your book to me and said, do you know Les Brown? And I went to school with him. You ought to read his book. This person knew she was struggling with something. And she said, and it helped me. And I thank you so much for writing it. And I'm so glad to know you did it. And I will no longer call you Messley. When we were in school, in elementary school, I used to pull her ponytail. My name is Leslie, and she called me Messley. You're always messing with me. <laughs> she said, you have earned the right to be called Leslie. Because you wrote that book. It, was, it, it had my name on it. And I'd gone through some stuff, and I realized what took me so long. It was for now. It was for now. And I believe everything that we are involved in, when I get up in the morning, Ruben, my first words are, all things work together for good, for those who love God, and for those who are called according to his purpose. And then I say, Lord, whatever I face today, together, you and I can handle it. Hmm. And then I take out, pen and paper, like you suggest, and I write down seven things that I'm grateful for, my gratitude list, seven things. And then I review the agenda for my life for the day that I wrote the night before. If you don't have an, have an agenda for your life, when you get up in the morning, you'll become a part of somebody else's agenda. <laughs> because when you have an agenda, you lay out the things you want to get out of the day, the majority of people, the 99 percenters, they just want to get through. Come on. Come on, Les Brown. Uh, like, I, I hope you guys are hearing this. Uh, this is life-changing information. Um, you ought to plan on going back and re-watching this interview three or four times. I know I'm already going to schedule it because he's putting together some great information. He's sharing some great nuggets. Make sure you're writing this information down. Uh, Les, in this season, what are your goals now? You've spoken all over the world. You, you've written books. Um, you've been awarded over and over and over and over again. You said you had 15 grandchildren. Did you say that? 15 grandchildren and four great-grandsons. I have five boys and five girls. I have 10 children. Lord said, be fruitful and multiply. And you, you follow. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> I'm filing suit against the Catholic Church because I got rhythm, but the rhythm method does not work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in this place where the Russian author, Leo Tolstoy, he said, as I face inevitable death, what in the meaning and purpose of my life that will not be undone or destroyed when I'm gone. Mm. And I believe that the speakers that I train, my goal is to train thousands of voices of hope. The, the speakers that I train, 
and and the people that I've influenced and impacted and the people that you train and influence and impact that when I'm gone that work will not be destroyed yeah. and and it, it will not go away because you are my legacy you have told me I will take your work into the future I am your legacy and so the goal is is to live a life that will outlive you one day I, I got a call, I was at my desk and Ona called me, my oldest daughter, as you know, and, and she said, are you, are you busy? And I said, no, I'm at my desk. She said, well, I'm waiting in traffic. There's a policeman stopping traffic. Obviously there's a funeral that's about to come by. Then all of a sudden she said, whoa, wow. I said, was there an accident? She said, no. She said a hearse came by and there was only one car behind it. Oh, wow. She said, when I go, Daddy, I want there to be a long procession of cars behind the hearse because of the contribution when I go with my life. She said, when I go, I want the cemetery to be filled with people coming out to celebrate my life. When I go, I want to go like Dr. Miles Monroe said, rob the cemetery of your dreams, of your gifts, of your abilities, of your talents. I said, that's the way to go, baby. Mm. That's the way to go. Live full, as Miles would say, and die empty. Mm. I know you guys are getting this. Uh, Les, when we were in Johannesburg, South Africa, I know uh, Miles Monroe was there at that same time. He was doing a an event there uh, in one hotel. You were right across the street, and and you had some things going on, and and you you didn't get a chance to see him then. No, and then he was gone. Yes, I asked the lady. I went over there and say, "I'm Les Brown." She said, "We know who you are." I said, "Would you let Dr. Miles Monroe know that I'm here?" She said, "He's training couples." We, we cannot interrupt him. I said, trust me on this. If you let him know that I'm out here, he will come out here or he'll call me in there. Mm -hmm. She said, I'll do something better. And I said, what is that? I'll set it up so y'all can have breakfast tomorrow morning. And I reluctantly agreed. My mind said no, but I reluctantly agreed. Then she showed up the next morning and she said, I'm so sorry, I made a mistake. He left earlier. And I talked about in the book, a few weeks later, he died in a plane crash. That's why I talk about the end and hunger stands for now urgency. Live each day as if it were your last. Mm. Because one day it will be. And that stayed with me. That haunted me that I did not spend time with my friend. I had no idea that that would have been the last time that we would have seen each other. I was scheduled to, to sign a contract with Wayne Dyer to do a special, the two of us together for public television. We kept putting it off. Then he called me and said, I'm coming to Orlando. I said, good, let's go in and, and put this deal together. Then I got a call, are you online? No, what's up? <sighs> Wayne Dyer's gone. I said, where'd he go? He's out of here, he's dead. He died of a heart attack in his sleep. I said, no, yes. Mm. And, and so I, in the book, I talk about now urgency. Live with a sense of urgency. We don't know how much time we have left. And so George Washington Carver said, do what you can where you are with what you have and never be satisfied. And so at this place of, where I am now, I don't take a phone call unless it's positive, productive, purposeful, profitable, <laughs> and something that resonates with me. Otherwise, I don't have time for it because if you want to lose something, lose money. You can always replace that. But if you lose time, you can't replace that. You can't, it's gone. So my goal is to be on top of my game. When you call with Reuben calls, oh, I'm going to answer. Because I know it's a good call up here, up in here. <laughs>
I, I love it. I love it. Now, now listen, um, I know there's some kind of training you're doing. You're, you're either doing it online. You're either doing some kind of coach. Like there has to be some kind of training uh, that you're doing. And I, I would, I just don't want to put together this type of interview without telling people where they can connect with you. Uh, we talked about uh, where they can get the book. And I know every one of them is intending to go get the book as soon as we get off. And they're going to message me. I got the book. But what other training do you have available? Is there something that you're doing online, some kind of coaching? How can people connect with you? Because I know there's people that are moved and I'm going to rebroadcast this again and again. Well, first of all, if they message you and send you a receipt of the book that they purchased, I'm going to send you some motivational materials that have a $200 value that you can send out to them. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. So they okay. can send that out. Now, the technology eliminates geography and having to mail it out. Okay. So I'm going to send you this series called Choosing a Future. The, the What I'm doing now is, is working to create messengers of hope. And so I'm doing one-on-one -on -one coaching with a limited number of people. And so they could email me at lesbrown77 at gmail.com. Seven is my lucky number. I was born February the 17th. I'm one of seven children. Joshua marched around the walls of Jericho seven times. Naaman dipped himself in the River Jordan seven times. Seven is my lucky number. So... My goal is to, to find some more Rubens because Ruben, you are rare. Right, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to go on YouTube before you, you ask for me to coach you. And I want you to watch Les Brown speaking in the Georgia Dome. I talk about Mr. Washington and I, I told him I was the one. When you look at Ruben, Ruben is the one. Hmm. He is, there's no question, Ruben, when you said it, a lot of people said, but you said it, I knew. I did say it. Stick a fork in it, all right? <laughs> and if you watch me speaking in the Georgia Dome and you say you're the one, that you're hungry, that you got a story, my Angelo said, there's nothing as painful as an untold story buried in your soul that then reach out to me because I only want to work with people that 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 have this hunger to make a difference in the world, have this hunger to live a life that will outlive them, to have this hunger that transform people's lives and to build a business. I've spoken over 51 countries. It took me three years to earn my first million. And now with this technology, you can do it in a fraction of the time. And everybody, they have a story. We know about Malcolm X who said, by any means necessary. We know Barack Obama, the audacity of hope. We know Dr. King, I have a dream. We know Les Brown, you gotta be hungry. Everybody has a story, one they've experienced or they've seen and witnessed. And my goal is what I do is help you to pull that story out. And Ruben does that as well. He's a great coach. Great coach indeed, because he watches, he studies, he's a perpetual student, he's a good listener, he's very creative and innovative, and whatever he does, he 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 takes it to another level. And so I'm encouraging you, rob the cemetery of your story. Mm -hmm. That sometimes you have to have somebody's belief in you until your belief kicks in. And this is a time, it's a special time. People say opportunity stands by, you know, it knocks on every door. And I say, no, it stands by watching us, waiting for us to pay attention to it and take advantage of it. And you have to seize the opportunity in the lifetime of the opportunity. Mm, I love it. Hey, you guys, there it is. Listen, uh, we're almost done. We're, we're just about ready to go. I want to make sure that you got his email. You said lesbrown77 at gmail.com. Somebody yeah. put that in the feed. Uh, they already did, but I want to make sure you have that lesbrown77 at gmail.com. And the reason I want you to, to connect with Les is because here's what I know. 
there is always a connection for everybody. I'm, I'm not meant to work with everybody, not because I can or can't. It's just not my calling. Uh, like Les Brown was the one for me. I said, I'm going to reach out to Les Brown. My wife said, the one who was married to Gladys Knight, I said, I have no idea who he's married to. I just know I'm supposed to reach out. She said, he's not going to talk to you. I said, I know he is. I, I know he is. He's looking for me. And, and, and there may be some of you right now that are looking for him. And it doesn't have to be me. What has to happen is you have to step into your calling. There's things you're made to do, and then there's things you're paid to do. And so many times we only focus on those paid ones, not knowing the ones that we were made to do would, would increase our pay. So I want you, if you feel like you're supposed to connect with Les Brown, supposed to work with Les Brown, anybody who calls me and says, Ruben, I want to reach Les Brown, I never try and convince him to work with me. Let me get him on the phone. Let me get you right over to him. You know why? Because he may be their assignment. And if you feel like he's your assignment, please make sure you reach out to him. Les, before we go, um, I, I remember being- I want you to take that piece that you just dropped. You just dropped it up there. Some things you're made to do, and some things you're paid to do. That did not go by me, my brother. I'm listening to you. Yeah. I, I, I already know. I already know. You don't miss anything. No. Hey, you, you know, I was in Florida and I remember sitting at the table and and you said, I want you guys to see something and I want you to listen. And you did this piece that uh, it's called Live Full, Die Empty. And, and, you know, I was going to have you have the final word, the final say, and, and, and you're going to do that anyway. But I think that would be the best final say. We're in a, the midst of a pandemic right now. We're trying to figure out how we can make it. We're trying to figure out if we can make it. There's some people who are knocked down. And you said, when life knocks you down, try and land on your back. Because if you can look up, you can get up. Well, there's somebody right now thinking, man, I'm not sure if I can get up. But I believe that if they get this one message, this one notion that their life is to live full, that most people, the only mark they leave in this earth is, is on the tombstone in which they're buried. But I believe that that message to, to live full and die empty that still resonates with me after years of I've heard it, that's exactly how I want to close this show. Would you be willing to just say to the people listening that one piece, please? I did this at West Angeles Church and Denzel Washington was in the audience. And as a result of that, he decided to expand his repertoire because at that point he was only gonna play good characters. But after he saw that, he did training day and got the Academy Award for. I really didn't want him to do that because I, I just couldn't believe he was a bad guy. But this, this is something that Dr. Howard Thurman wrote and he was a mentor of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Abbott Schweitzer and Mahatma Gandhi. Uh, Dr. Howard Thurman, he wrote Deep is the Hunger and the centering moment. He said, the ideal situation for a man or woman to die is to have family members praying with them as they cross over. He said, but imagine if you will being on your deathbed and standing around your bed, the ghost of the dreams, the ideas, the abilities, the talents, the gifts given to you by life, but you, for whatever reason, you never pursued those dreams. You never used those gifts. You, we, you, we never saw your leadership. We never heard your voice. We never heard your story. And there they are standing around your bed looking at you with large angry eyes saying, we came to you and only you could have given us life. And now we must die with you forever. And the question is, if you die today, what dreams, what ideas, what abilities, what inventions, what in innovation you? Osman Rose said that for the wealthiest place on the planet, it's not in the Four East where there's oil in the ground. It's not in South Africa where there are diamond mines. He said the wealthiest place on the planet is the cemetery. There you'll find dreams never pursued. There you'll find talents and abilities artwork, voice, music, the world never heard from. Maybe that's why one guy said, oh God, to reach the point of death, only to realize that you've never lived, only to realize that you never scraped the surface 
of your potential. Maybe that's why one woman after diagnosed with terminal breast cancer went home and she took a sip of coffee and she threw it up against the wall in anger and rage and said, I refuse to die an unlived life. And 32 years later, she's still here. Live full, die empty. This has been Mrs. Mamie Brown's baby boy and Reuben West's pride and joy. Come on, somebody. <laughs> you made me go there. My goodness. How, how powerful is that? You guys, do me a favor. Give Les some virtual applause. Uh, what an excellent rendition. I mean, I, I love it every single time I hear you speak. I can listen to it all day, and most days I do. If you had any idea um, how many times I've listened to the messages when you said uh, once a day for 30 days, I made it a commitment once a day for 90 days, and that's each one. And so almost now I can hear it in my sleep. I hear the rhythm. I hear the, the, the run of threes. I mean, there's just so much I hear in there, and I never, ever get tired of it. Listen, remember uh, to go to the website and get the book. If you if you email me or just reach out to me and and send me what, that you got the book and the receipt, he's going to send me some additional content, $200 value that he's going to allow me to share with you. And we didn't plan this ahead of time. He just said this on the fly, which means sometimes there's a benefit from just being in the place. As my friend Andy Enriquez says, you got to show up for your life. And today you all took the time to show up less. It's never disappointing. Um, every time I listen to you, I always learn something new. I'll be re-listening to this over and over and over again. But what I really want to say is thank you. And, and when I say thank you, I don't want you to make the mistake of thinking I'm only saying thank you for me. I'm saying thank you for all of the people that you've given the ability to dream a bigger dream. For all of the people who were questioning whether they could get back up again, whether they could make it through a difficult time, whether they should take their life or stay. But because you answered your call, there's things that you're trained to do, but there's things that you're ordained to do. You were ordained to do this work. And because you answered that call, lives have been changed. Futures have been birthed. Money have been made. People have been helped. It's made a tremendous difference on this earth. And like I told you, this I am part of the Les Brown legacy team. I don't ever want you to go. But long after you're gone, I'll be saying my mentor Les Brown said, live full, die empty. My mentor Les Brown said, when life knocks you down, try and land on your back. Because if you can look up, you can get up. My mentor, Les Brown, said, sometimes you have to believe in someone else's belief in you until your belief kicks, kicks in. I have so many stories that I'm going to share, so many things that I'm going to tell just to make sure that legacy is solidified. Thank you on behalf of me and on behalf of all of the people whose lives that you've not only touched, but you continue to touch. I appreciate you being on the show. Any final words? You don't mess me up. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're here because of God's grace and mercy. And if he doesn't do anything else for me, because of our friendship, mm -hmm. you're my spiritual son. Mm -hmm. He's done enough. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. This is Dr. Reuben West with another episode of Voices of Change. Tune in next week where I have another voice of change that not only made a change in their life, but is also committed to making a change in the lives of others around the world. Thank you, and we'll see you next week. Bye.